I welcome you all to another episode of Analytics Week Leadership Podcast. Today we have with us uh, John Young, Chief Analytics Officer for Epsilon. Uh, to give a quick intro, John has general management responsibilities for the 150 plus member analytics consulting group at Epsilon. His responsibilities also include design and consultation on various database marketing and analytics engagements, including predictive modeling, segmentation, measurements, and profiling. John also brings thought leadership on important marketing topics. John works with companies in numerous industries, including financial services, technology, retail, healthcare, and not-for-profit. Before joining Epsilon, John has was a marketing research manager at Digitas, a marketing research manager at Citizens Bank, research manager at AICPA, and an assistant economist at the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City. John has presented at numerous conferences, including NCDM Winter and Summer, DMA Annual, DMA Marketing Analytics, Limra Big Data Analytics, and Epsilon's Client Symposium. He has published in DM News, CRM Magazines, Viewpoints, Chief Marketer, Loyalty360, and serves on the advisory board of DMA's uh, analytics community. And John holds a BS and MS in economics from Colorado State University, Fort Collins. So John, welcome to the to the podcast. Great, thanks for having me. So I think one thing uh, that we enjoy uh, are professionals from service or consulting background because of their depth and the breadth of, of, of their experience and their exposure to sort of wide variety of clients uh, that they serve and kind of and, and, and the other thing sort of we, we love about uh, those candidates is their as like these consulting firms always work on the leading edge of the technology evolution so they always have sort of the first scoop of, uh, of any sort of new flavors or new te- technology evolution so um, on that we're excited to have you on board and, and, and thank you so much So now let's start that. Um, why don't we delve into what is Epsilon for our members who don't know, uh, who have not heard about your company, and what do you guys do? Okay, uh, yeah, that's a, a small question, but it's got a fairly large answer, so I'll try to be somewhat succinct. Because um, you know, I've been at Epsilon a long time, and the the set of services we provide is really uh, really mushroomed in that period of time. So um, essentially, Epsilon is a global marketing services company, and really our mission is to help clients uh, really basically get to know their consumers better and reach them through the channels that they interact with, both online and offline channels, to really essentially hopefully create small, uh, stronger emotional connections with their consumers, uh, which in turn uh, should lead to better business outcomes you know, for, our, for our clients. And, you know, with us, it really all starts uh, with with the data, right? Um, you know, we have access to very rich uh, information on customer profiles, understand their purchase behavior. Uh, you know, we know what media they're interacting through, and so from all that data, we try to uh, essentially derive meaningful uh, insights, and then leverage the the powerful technology platforms that we have uh, to activate those insights through loyalty programs, email programs and various uh, digital media execution. Um, you know, so that's essentially how we uh, you know, help our clients grow their businesses to better connect uh, with their consumers. 
And um, you know, really, when you think about it, brand marketing tomorrow um, mm -hmm. means that every multi-channel moment will be addressable and personalized, you know, based on the context and the device through which the consumer is interacting. And you know, basically, at the end of the day, CMOs want to know, you know, who their consumers are and how to reach them at those moments, and really, you know, connect with them when they're most engaged, uh, you know, with the company. Um, to again, you know, lead to those better business outcomes. So Epsilon is really in effect in the business of helping uh, our clients do that better. Interesting. Um, thank you so much uh, for the brief introduction on that. So uh, why don't we discuss about your journey? So like, uh, I, I definitely very impressive profile. So, but it's again, it's a very brief synopsis. So why don't you sort of uh, walk us through uh, your journey through this? To the analytics role to the now leading the analytics charge for a for a big 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 company there so love to know your perspective yeah sure um and you know i, I guess i'd say it was a kind of a, a very circuitous route that got me into the role i'm in today uh you know as you mentioned at the outset um you know i, I studied economics at colorado state i got a bachelor's and a master's my first first job out of school where i spent two years was at the federal reserve bank uh, in kansas city as an assistant economist and that was a great job. Uh, I really enjoyed it, but without a PhD, you were essentially dead-ended there. Uh, so I did my two years, uh, enjoyed the experience immensely, and then I uh, actually uh, took the better part of a year off, and I traveled throughout uh, Southeast Asia, Australia, and New Zealand, which is something I'd always uh, done, wanted to do. Uh, did a solo trip, did it on a shoestring, so I didn't have much money saved at, at, at that ripe age. Uh, then when I came back, I, I landed on the East Coast and, and took a, a job at a trade group in New York City where I was essentially doing uh, primary research and marketing research uh, for them. And it was around that time, you know, this would have been, oh, probably, uh, you know, late... Early, early, early 1990s, actually, where I was starting to see what was happening with database and direct marketing, and I really started to see the um, the potential applications of a lot of the statistics and econometrics I learned in school, as well as at the Federal Reserve. And you know, my my sense was this was a field that was really going to take off. Uh, you know, at that same time, many organizations were. Uh, I guess you could say becoming disillusioned with what their mass media spending was doing for them. They couldn't really measure the results. It was a little bit of a black box, whereas direct marketing, database marketing, you have the ability to measure what that's doing for you, and you have the ability to use data to drive how you do that. So, you know, I did a, basically I did a course correction at that point. Uh, I, I uh, ended up moving up to New England, took a job at Citizens Bank in Providence, Rhode Island, where among other things, uh, I started to build targeting models for some of their direct marketing uh, campaigns, um, you know, which is continues to be you know one of the fundamental applications of uh, analytics in direct marketing and is a big part of data-driven marketing to this day. Uh, spent uh, not a lot of time there, less than two years, and then I made the switch uh, kind of to the other side of the table. I took a job with a, a digital ad agency, which is now uh, known as Digitas. Um, spent a very short amount of time there mainly because the opportunity at Epsilon presented itself and, and I knew Epsilon was where I wanted to be because of all the different things they did even back then to facilitate data-driven marketing and they you know of course had this uh, uh, at the time a very small analytic group which I joined as a, as a senior consultant and that was 
geez, it'll be 22 years ago that I joined the company. Uh, came in as a senior consultant. I kind of worked my way up, up the ranks. Started running the group back in 2001, and then just uh, recently, back in April, assumed the role of uh, the chief analytics officer, um, you know, for the team, which is, as you would notice, much bigger now. You know, uh, well over 100 people. Nice. So that was uh, how I kind of ended up uh, where I am today. Uh, a couple of couple of changes along the way, but uh, absolutely no regrets. It so uh, was at the time and continues to be a great uh, business. To be in. in fact, it's even better now with the explosion of data right. uh, that we have at our fingertips to uh, you know to make for even more data-driven marketing. I think con con congratulations on uh, on this big jump. So, and definitely quite quite a journey um, and, and and deserved one. So uh, now let's let's talk about uh, a, a bit more on onto your current role. How, like how much uh, you can share about. So what is Chief Analytics Officer for a company like Epsilon and, and what, what does the, the role entail or what does the, does the job description entail? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, there's, there's really a few different things, uh, principal things that I do. One is making sure that our, our large team of uh, programmers, analysts, consultants, and statisticians is, uh, is most effectively deployed across our large client base. Um, as they can be, uh, with a view towards obviously bringing analytic best practices uh, to their clients, which at the end of the day drive better business outcomes for their clients. If you had to boil it down uh, to a nutshell, that's you know what the business we're in is is all about. Because you know if we can improve clients' business outcomes uh, through more effective data-driven marketing, um, then obviously they're seeing an ROI and they're spending with us, and they're going to want to continue to. Uh, have us, um, you know, do that kind of work for them. Um, in addition, I, you know, I uh, also spend some of my time with some of our larger clients, and we have some very big uh, retainer relationships with, um, you know, Fortune 500, if not Fortune 100 companies. So I get a little more personally involved with with those clients, uh, doing things like helping to determine, okay, what's the right analytic roadmap for this organization based on where they are today, their marketing practices and kind of what they aspire to uh, to get to in the, in, the, in the future. And then, you know, I spend a little bit of time uh, going out uh, with uh, the client services teams, the sales teams here at Epsilon to help uh, sell in the analytic services, uh, usually in conjunction with other more substantial services, um, marketing services that Epsilon uh, sells. Uh, consistent with that, I get out and do a little bit of public speaking, and also uh, publish occasionally in some of the uh, you know industry publications that are out there. And then, I guess the final thing I'd remark on, and I actually don't spend as much time on this as I as I would like, and I think I need to, is uh, is R and D. You know, we uh, realize we have to continually evolve our our service offerings to provide our clients. Uh, what they need. It's absolutely a changing landscape out there, so we can't kind of rest on our laurels and uh, just continue to, you know, kind of uh, peruse the same toolkit that we've had for years. We need to keep adding services uh, to be relevant to our clients and to uh, hopefully be doing all the analytic out, uh, work that they are outsourcing today. Interesting. And so, uh, thank you so much for that. So, so now looking at a very high level, how much of your role would be um, outfacing versus in-facing? I'm sorry, say that again? So how much of your role would be outfacing and how much of, of it would be in-facing? Um, like dealing with clients versus dealing with Epsilon as, uh, as a client. 
Yeah, I'd say it's um, it's that's certainly changed over the years, and as we have gotten bigger, and given that I have general management responsibilities for the team, you know, I'm probably spending, you know, in the neighborhood of 75 to 80 percent of my time on what you would, I think, consider to be more internally focused activities around, you know, building and growing the team, um, you know, making sure, as to my previous point, you know, we're we're deploying our resources effectively across our large. Uh, client base, um, some of the R&D activities I mentioned and so right. forth, you know, as opposed to the more externally facing activities where I'm actually out, you know, with clients or prospective clients or out, you know, uh, speaking at a conference, uh, that sort of thing. Interesting. Um, so I think let, now let's talk about, because uh, I was reading your your, um, your bio and I, I, I came to know about that you have a quite extensive experience across various industries, right? So you uh, you have been with marketing, you have with financial services, you have been uh, you have shown that that you ha you have something um, you worked on a health. So what are some of the things that um, that you observed are like commonalities or some of the best practices uh, that you are seeing uh, clients do that that basically you say like that's very trendy things. Um, well, you know, there, it's interesting because, um, quite honestly, I, I don't think too many corporations, um, regardless of the industry, are kind of there yet when it comes to uh, uh, to best practices. Um, you know, I, I would actually take a little bit of a step back on that question and 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 say there's certain enablers that need to be in place uh, for uh, an organization to really be uh, exhibiting best practices when it comes to analytics and. And those enablers really are, are data. Obviously, it all starts with, uh, with data, but um, there's a lot to that, right? Because you have to integrate and organize the data in a way that is readily accessible uh, to drive data-driven marketing and do the analytics that's, that's behind that. Uh, obviously, you need the analytic tools, the software, if you will, to analyze that data, uh, to produce insights and other things that companies can uh, ultimately uh, you know, be be acting upon, and then of course to do all this, you need the right people, right? And that is, uh, <laughs> as somebody that's got general management responsibilities for a shop this large, you know, that is probably the thing that keeps me up at night, and I'm sure it does for corporations that are doing analytics internally. It's how do I find the right set of analytic practitioners, data scientists, and the like that you really need to look at the data, run the tools to produce the insights that ultimately can be leveraged to drive better business outcomes. So I view those as the key enablers uh, of, of best practices and you really need to have those components in place before you can be doing things like say multi-channel right. attribution which um, you know would be one example of of a best practice uh, in terms of uh, kind of the measurement and optimization side of the business but one that um, frankly, I think most organizations um, continue to struggle with, particularly those that have very complex and fragmented uh, marketing activities. But again, if you've taken the time and spent the money to invest in those enablers, uh, you're going to put yourself in a position where you can be um, achieving those analytic best practices, whatever they might be. Interesting. Interesting. Well, definitely, I, and uh, I would um, I would go on a people. Um, I think that's a that's a very good point that you shared about uh, getting the right team and sort of putting it in place. So I, I'll go over that um, uh, very soon.
So now I think I definitely want to have your perspective on like we are seeing nowadays bunch of lingos uh, cropping up. So chief data officer, uh, chief data scientist, chief analytics officer. So I want definitely love to have your perspective on what do you like, what's your lens on who is a chief analytics officer, who is chief data officer and like how do you demarcate uh, these these three categories if at all. Yeah, it's uh, we, we you know it's interesting because not too many years ago you would have been hard pressed to find many people with these titles out right. there. Um, but as we all know today, these titles are certainly becoming uh, more and more common. And I, you know, I really think that's a reflection of the fact that more and more companies are realizing um, the power in data and the ability to leverage that data to do data-driven marketing, and to really be able to do that, you you know, back to the kind of the talent. Uh, aspect of the enablers. You need the right people in place and particularly larger organizations for example um, are, are making the investments in, in chief data officers, chief analytic officers to come in and create the environment, put in, put in place the set of tools and build the teams that are required to truly achieve uh, data-driven marketing and, and give their organizations uh, a real competitive advantage. Um, you know, I think there is still some confusion out there uh, which will persist for a while around what is the role of the CDO versus the, the CAO. Uh, chief data scientist is not a role I see a lot of but I think we will you know, see more and more of that as, as the importance of that particular type of analytic, analytic talent becomes increasingly obvious. But you know, uh, it might be a bit of an oversimplification of a shell but um, you know I almost view the uh, the chief analytic officer as a client or a customer of the chief data officer because the chief data officer, as, as the title kind of implies, is responsible for all the you know all the bringing together and the governance of the data within the organization uh, to put the organization in a position to become more data driven, and that is by far uh, as far from being a trivial. Task, particularly for lot, you know, organizations that have very disparate, large sources of data all over the organization. It's, it takes a lot to put that together. Right. But once you have, then you know, the chief analytics officer and his or her organization obviously are, are going to be in a much better position to uh, achieve the potential that they can they can deliver uh, for the organization. So I, I think it's I think the two roles, CDO and CAO, are highly complementary. Um, and the sooner organizations realize that and organize themselves in a way that those two entities and organizations can work more effectively together, the more, the greater the return they're going to get on on their data and analytic investments. Interesting, interesting. Definitely. Thank you so much for putting a light on that. So um, now let's let's go over um, your your current role. So I think your engagements. Um, so we see. And, and we have been talking to a bunch of um, people who sort of who have been into chief analytics officer roles, and they have. I think one thing that that we have seen is uh, their depth and the breadth of their experience and and kind of uh, their day to day activities. So love to know what are uh, some of the depth and breadth of the decisions that you have that that you got to do as a chief analytics officer for a company. Yeah, well, and you know, I think and I think the answer to that varies depending on what kind of organization 
that you're in because I, you know, I would answer that differently, say, if I was a chief analytic officer, say, of a big financial services company. But, you know, I'm on the other side of the table, right? We're, we're an analytic service provider. So, um, you know, I, I think the answer to that question uh, relates pretty highly back to kind of the delineation of my roles and responsibilities. And those, I think, can be broken into internal and externally facing sort of responsibilities and you know internally it's all about uh, acquiring and retaining the right team of, uh, of individuals again programmers analysts statisticians and consultants that that can deliver the, the range of work and analytic best practices our clients need uh, to truly you know take their their marketing programs to the next level um, you know, so there's a lot that goes into that. You know, there's finding the right people. There's you know interviewing them, bringing them in, uh, obviously creating an environment where they can, you know, get up in the morning and feel somewhat excited at least about what they're going to do that day at work. Because you know, believe me, people in this business have options, and if you're not challenging them with the right types of uh, assignments, you know, they'll they'll go to one of your competitors. So you know, we're constantly trying to. Uh, create an environment here where people are challenged, you know, they're facing new and different business problems, business and marketing problems from the different clients we work with. And we have a big advantage there because we work across so many different industries and work with so many different clients. It gives our uh, associates, as we call them at Epsilon, our employees, the opportunity to experience a whole lot of different things over time because they can, you know, they can cycle from one account to the next, you know, whereas if you were in a large corporation, I think the range of things you get exposed to is going to be a little more limited. Um, so a lot of it, you know, a lot of what I do is internally focused around creating that right environment where people are challenged and, and growing and advancing, and they want to want to stick around and they're bringing their A game sort of every day. Right. Um, and training is another aspect of of making that happen. Um, but you know, then there's the kind of the analytic toolkit, uh, as we we call it. Um, you know, we actually have here at Epsilon what we call the Insider's Guide to ACG, uh, which is essentially a listing of all the different uh, analytic services that we provide our clients. And again, we're constantly updating that, expanding that to make sure we have the full range of services we need to help our clients address the different challenges they have. You know, so as I alluded to a little earlier, a little bit of R&D goes into that. Mm -hmm. and we have to make sure we carve out enough time among the right people within our team to drive those R&D efforts so we can add to that toolkit. Um, so that's kind of the running the business aspect and, and by the way trying to do it profitably you know hitting hitting budgets on projects and timelines and, and so forth um, you know we don't have a blank check here uh, but then there's the external aspects which you know are are also important and I enjoy uh, just as much even if I don't spend quite as much time on those as I used to um, and that's you know there's no substitute for getting out sitting down with a client, sitting down across the table and, and understanding what is it that keeps them up at night, um, you know, what is, what is keeping them from achieving better results in their marketing programs, and then helping them architect the analytic solutions that are truly going to um, drive significant incremental gains in those marketing programs. To me, that's the most, maybe the most gratifying part of the job is when we conceive and then execute the right analytics and then work with the client importantly and this is something that's often overlooked work with the client to make sure they 
fully execute on the analytics because there's still a lot of barriers out there to the execution of analytics to see the kind of results that that can bring for the client and to in fact be as part of the engagement measuring on the back end what those analytic tools are doing in terms of driving incremental business results yeah that's very gratifying because you can see that you're having an impact on the business and you're making your clients look good um, right. so they're happy um, and, they're, and they, they keep coming back they want to do more because again they see the ROI in the activities that they're doing you know with us interesting and um, uh, thank you so much for, for, for sharing that so I think one more thing that uh, I, I definitely want your perspective on so as I said that uh, as a service provider the cool thing is that you always have to work on the next big thing you are always have so that the culture itself allows for risk taking the culture allows for sort of adoption of these capabilities and any sort of new up and coming sort of trends but on on the flip side the clients that 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 require these services are totally on on the other side of the aisle so they are uh, not very often the risk takers they are sort of on 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 the lagging edge many times uh, for these adoptions so what are some of the um, some of the challenges that you that you see very common uh, when you deal with uh, say clients of epsilon or sort of um, like your clients that, that you deal with? Well, you know, I think to me the biggest challenge um, is, and I, you know, I, I mentioned it a minute ago, is the organizations we work with taking the steps they need to to be truly data driven. I talked earlier about, you know, the enablers that need to be in place to uh, bring about tr true data driven uh, marketing. Um, and those those are critical, but and they're a necessary condition, but it's not a sufficient condition. And and the, the thing that you need to accomplish along with that, and this starts to get into some of the cultural aspects of of implementing uh, analytics to become more data driven, is that um, you know there's many, if not most, organizations out there. You you have a lot of people that are responsible for running the various business and marketing processes, and they're used to doing things. A certain way and in many if not most cases that is a non-data driven way of doing things right um, and so you know it, it can be difficult to get the analytics fully deployed because it's just not necessarily consistent with how they've done things you know in the past so um, you know I think you got to take baby steps in, in many situations to overcome these challenges and you know one of the things I uh, very strongly believe is that the best way to start for an organization that really is kind of at ground zero and, and not at all data-driven today is you you got to look at the quick wins out there, the low-hanging fruit, and go out there and do the things that, that can deliver some quick results because that's how you're going to start to uh, get noticed within the organization. Um, the people that are more logical and pragmatic are going to see that. They're going to uh, wake up to the fact that, hey, data-driven marketing, it's achievable, it's real, and if you do it right, uh, you can um, be rewarded with much better business outcomes. And then those people that are a little more resistant to change, you know, culturally they're not ready for it, they're eventually going to fall into line uh, because they're going to see it be, frankly, ridiculous to kind of resist it any longer and in fact in some cases you might be jeopardizing your your job if you you, you don't try to embrace the analytics that, that can truly make you more successful in your business 
right well, i think that's 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 a very valid point and and i think uh, you are pretty much ha- uh, hopping on one of the most pressing issue which is the culture right so the, it's very difficult to get businesses uh, adapt these these uh, and the culture is the biggest inhibitor of of any of these uh, uh, fundamental changes and and i think very well said on the quick wins and baby steps i think that that that's that's super relevant um, and and thank you definitely for sharing that so now let's i think on, on let's uh, on on the same point right so what like if i am a business right and 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 definitely culture is has been the issue i know the way i I've, i've been doing business now sort of i've been told to do this something called data driven and definitely it's not compliant to my current business practices so what are some of the some of the quick wins or are some of the easy steps that you think some some of the businesses could take which which is like a in a way let me flip this question in a, in a different direction that what are some of the best practices that you have seen consistent uh, that businesses readily chew as like they they can do that and and, and deliver results and that pretty much pave way for the bigger problem called chal- like cultural changes uh, to me you know one of the the easiest kind of quick wins is um making sure uh targeting or predictive modeling is used to um, determine who the audience should be for a given direct marketing campaign. Uh, you know, there's still many organizations out there that um, do it in a much less scientific manner, but it's pretty e- relatively easy if you have the right data to create a, a model that identifies uh, which pro- prospects or customers are most likely to exhibit some des- desired behavior. You know, so for example, Buy more of your products and services, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you you develop those models uh, with data that uh, can be pretty easily obtained, and then you work with the marketers that run those campaigns. Uh, it's pretty relatively straightforward to implement a, a predictive model. You can do it in a way where you can show them in a head-to-head fashion how did this campaign perform using this predictive model versus a business-as-usual approach to targeting. Um, then you do that, you, you let the campaign run, and then you're on the back end you measure the results. Uh, almost invariably you're going to see um, you know, much better results with the marketing that was driven by the model. So again, this creates a win, uh, creates some positive momentum, and it, it starts to build more of a groundswell for analytics and more of an appetite for data-driven marketing. And then that's you know, when the organization either doing the work themselves or partnering with a company like Epsilon can start to embrace and do more analytics and you know on the topic of best practices uh, you know one ex- I guess a couple of examples is what of some things that are going on out there more recently some kind of hot topics if you will is you know uh, you've certainly heard about multi-channel attribution mm-hmm. um, you know this this is garnering and will continue to garner a lot of attention because as marketing programs become more complex more fragmented there's more marketing channels to market through including you know social media platforms it becomes very difficult to uh, determine how the all the various pieces in the marketing mix are performing you know in other words how effective is your marketing spend across all these different channels and different marketing activities um, well if you you know truly best practices companies are starting to figure out kind of the multi-channel attribution Puzzle. Uh, I think very few have. It's it's very difficult uh, to do. 
Um, but if you do it effectively, you're going to end up with much more accurate measurement results that give you a much uh, cleaner understanding of how, again, are, are, the, are all the disparate marketing activities that you're using truly driving your, your business and marketing results so that you, in turn, can optimize that, that marketing spend. Now, that's an area that uh, deserves and will continue to get a lot, a lot of attention. Um, uh, a somewhat different example would be some of the work we see being done with unstructured data. Um, you know, you probably heard that 80% of the big data out there is unstructured data. You know, I'm talking about things like, you know, call center logs, uh, customer emails, chat sessions on websites, you know, a variety of text data, which historically is is gone either un, unused or under leveraged because there's never been a, a good way to kind of understand that data without, you know, short of manually trying to go through it, which if, when you're dealing with, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of records of that data becomes impossible. So there's been advances in text mining, you know, natural language processing and the like over the last several years uh, that have uh, enabled companies to get a, to mine that data, essentially turn that unstructured data into structured data so they can better understand, okay, well, what are our customers, our consumers thinking about? What is important to them? How do they feel about my organization? Are they happy with me, unhappy? Uh, so that you can learn from that data and then use that learning to uh, adjust your marketing activities. You know, we've even taken some of that data, turned it into structured data and augmented data that, you know, little data that we've traditionally used for predictive models and, and improve the effectiveness of those predictive models by layering in that unstructured data. So there's a lot of interesting things that can be done with that data. And, you know, again, I think most organizations they're doing anything at all with that kind of data today. They're just starting to scratch the surface. Interesting, um, interesting. Definitely some best practices starting to emerge there, and we'll see more of that. Nice. So um, now let's talk about um, your clients a bit, right? So on so on the business on the client side, right? So when is the right time um, that some business should engage with a company or service provider, like? It's it's almost I'm I'm almost going in a direction of build versus buy or like when is a good time to did I say okay I should build these capabilities versus I should sort of uh, uh, get help. So what are some of the some of the good indicators that um, that businesses uh, should understand or, or 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 sort of gauge before saying okay let me let me make up a few phone calls. Yeah, I think that's a great question, um, and it's I think one that more and more organizations are struggling with and certainly the trend we've seen um, over the last five to ten years is whereas say ten years ago you know the way in which we um, interacted with our, our clients was they basically outsourced all their analytics to us they had no little to no in-house analytic capability I think what's happened over time is organizations have increasingly realized the competitive advantage that can be gained um, from applying analytics to their, their marketing and broader business activities. And so some organizations have come to the conclusion that this stuff is too mission critical to trust it to a third party. And that kind of became the tipping point for deciding they were going to build rather than keep buying the capability. Um, and, and that's great. And we've, you know, there's many big organizations where our relationship with them evolved as they made that kind of transformation, and we helped them 
build out the analytic capability. In some cases, we help them even interview people to hire to bring into their in-house teams. You know, I think a big determinant of whether it makes sense to buy or build is you got you got to look at the scale of the marketing activities to which the marketing analytics will be be applied. Um, and all things being equal, the the larger the scale, i.e., the the size of the company, typically getting bigger, it makes more sense uh, to to build the capabilities in house and in a decreasing fashion, relying outside service providers. Maybe you just do it for niche services, some of the more advanced analytics that maybe your internal team isn't ready to take on yet. Um, you can always operate in a hybrid model. So I think generally speaking, larger companies are going to be well served by insourcing analytics, whereas smaller companies, uh, where it's harder to kind of make the business case for having uh, any kind of uh, substantial in-house team, are going to be better served by uh, outsourcing the work. Interesting, interesting. And I think, so one thing um, that definitely with that we have seen, uh, uh, many of the service providers, they end up doing, and I think you briefly touched, I, I'm not sure if that's the point, but uh, creating kind of a center of excellence. And because they're already sort of serving a lot of interesting clients with their inter interesting problems. And many times sort of, it's almost like templatize a uh, bunch of batch and, and sort of build those capabilities and then, then sort of outsource those capabilities or, or the engine, so as to speak that, the other businesses could sort of deploy their data and you provide them the the models or whatever the structure is epsilon up like doing that or like what's what's your take on that like is that is that one of the one of the things that that's coming along what's already out um yeah so uh, let me make sure i understand the, the question are you essentially referring to situations where a, a company would you know basically just turn over their data for the purposes of um, you know, letting a third party run their analytics. Is that kind of what you're referring to? or Right, right. So so because I think, because uh, many of the service providers, they deal with various interesting business problems, right? And and, and they, they end up sort of, they already have a center of excellence. Now building that capability and then, then sort of selling that capability to clients saying, okay, take this engine and it can do stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah. I think it's uh, partly what you're getting at is uh, efficiencies and economies of scale, so to right. speak. Um, you know, because you do need to buy hardware and software to to to, to run the analytics, right? And so, right. Um, you know, back to my previous point, if if there's not enough marketing activity to which you'd apply the marketing analytics, it's tougher to justify the investments in the hardware and the software and the and the staff. It makes more sense to outsource it. Uh, you know, to a service provider like an Epsilon, where we have, we think in our case, you know, built uh, arguably a center of, of excellence. You know, we have, say, a full range of modeling techniques we can use uh, against a variety of different types of data to build different types of models for organizations to support their marketing. So, you know, I think there is, you know, there's definitely has been and will continue to be a strong case for, you know, outsourcing the analytics and, and letting. Uh, you know, somebody that focuses on that work that has a center of excellence in that area, you know, do the work um, as opposed to trying to build it in house. Interesting, interesting. Um, so now, now let's let's come over to the people side of the, of the problem. So building a team. I think you you briefly touched um, uh, in the start of the interview. 
what are some of the some of the best practices that that you have seen or, or like for building a building a good team? Uh, boy, I wish I had some good secrets there. Um, <laughs> I think it's still a work in progress for us. Um, you know, I, I mean, there's if, if part of the question is what are we looking for and the people we we bring in to try to continue to be successful in this business. Um, uh, you know, there, there's 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 a few things that stand out. Um, one is obviously uh, that the, the people have the technical and the quantitative skills. Uh, to do the, the range of analytic work uh, that is needed uh, to apply to clients, you know, marketing programs. Um, I think with that comes, uh, you know, just people that have, and this is more of an innate thing versus something you learn uh, through school, is they have a good analytic thought process, right? They can They can look at a business, you know, uh, you know, an industry, a company, its products and services, its competitors, its consumers, and, and really understand, okay, how can analytics and the different analytic te techniques we have be applied to this business to essentially help this business run more effectively and efficiently? So it's, it's that kind of, I guess, more left brain thinking, I guess, than anything. Um, so those two things I just described are really more of the left brain, but you know, more and more so, we need people that are also uh, right brain as well. Um, and here I'm starting to refer more to uh, the ability to synthesize analytic findings, to, to, to draw insights from, from data and analytics that are being run, and socialize those findings with um, what often can be a diverse audience of, of clients, some that are you know, don't get the stuff at all versus others that are, you know, a little more savvy and, and, and you can have a in, more in-depth conversation with. But the ability to really synthesize what the analytics are, are, are telling us and do it in a way, almost a storytelling way, that the client is not only going to understand, but they're going to get excited about the, the power of this analytics and what it can do for the business. Um, those kind of communication skills... Um, and interaction skills with the client are becoming increasingly important. And, and it gets back to my earlier point about helping to break down some of the barriers to the deployment of analytics. Because at the end of the day, you can do the best analytics out there, but if the clients don't understand the analytics and see how when it's applied to their business, it's going to improve their business outcomes, the, the results are just going to sit on a shelf somewhere and not be, yeah. not be used. Um, so increasingly, we are looking for people that, you know, uh, kind of wear, can wear both hats, if you will. I mean, to me, those are going to be the in ingredients of a successful analytic practitioner or, or, or data scientist in, in the long term. Interesting. Um, so again, I think it's, you can't overemphasize those communication skills along with the traditional quantitative and analytical skills that people tend to more associate with uh, analytic professionals. Interesting. Uh I think couldn't have been said any better on that. So now let's talk about uh, the aspiring chief analytics officers of the future, uh, whatever that means. So what are like what are some of the top three uh, or more or less uh, qualities that you think uh, tomorrow's leader or uh, aspiring sort of uh, leader should possess uh, for these kind of chief analytics roles? 
Uh, really, I think in a nutshell, it comes down to the, the characteristics um, we just discussed. I mean, again, you need to be a strong left brain and right brain person. In addition to those core analytical underpinnings, uh, which, by the way, also increasingly with big data include programming skills and the, the ability to get around you know, very large and disparate data sets in a way that you can, you know, uh, make a distinction between noise, because there's a lot of noisy data out there that's not valuable, versus uh, data that is valuable and, and can produce meaningful signals that can be leveraged uh, to, you know, again, affect better marketing outcomes. So those, those kind of programming skills are becoming increasingly important with the advent of, of big data to go along with, again, the, the traditional technical and analytic skills we talked about. But then, again, the ability to synthesize this stuff and communicate it in a way with a diverse clientele that they get it and, more importantly, then want to, you know, act on the findings and, and, and continue to increase the amount of analytics that's being applied to their business. Those, are, to me, are what are going to make for a successful analytic leader over time. And then, oh, by the way, you know, they not only have to be able to do all those things, but they have to be able to lead, you know, mentor, train, nurture, um, you know, teams, uh, which can include people right out of college that are very green uh, and need, you know, a lot of handholding and a lot of development, um, you know, because you're only as good as the team underneath you, right? Um, so that's why it's critical to invest the time and care and feeding into the, you know, the analytic team that is doing all the work that's making all this possible. Interesting. No, I think definitely uh, well said. So now let's talk about a bunch of. Um, so I think there has been a, there has been a lot of debate with with this uprising of data and and analytics capability is it's killing it's killing the art um, in a business, and it's it I think it's more of a more philosophical point of view that now having more analytics driven, you are more science than art. Like what are, what is your take uh, on on that philosophical that businesses always used to sort of thrive on their competitive edge, which is, which has been more on our art side, but are uh, these analytics uh, differentiations pushing them to be more science than art? Um, and sort of like what's what's your take? Yeah, I mean to me, it's you know it's not going to be one or the other it's business is always going to be a, a a mix of art and science in terms of how it's how it's run um, i think what you're seeing will continue to see is will be the shift uh to emphasize more the science over the art uh, namely the data science right and mm -hmm. the ability to to leverage the data in a scientific manner to affect better business outcomes and Again, to the extent that organizations, particularly the people in power at these organizations, namely the C-suite, um, as they come to see how running the business based more on the data and the data science can produce those better outcomes versus maybe a more seat-of-the-pants sort of artful way of running the business, um, you know, they're gonna, they realize they have a, a duty to their shareholders to produce maximum shareholder return, right? And to the extent that data-driven marketing uh, increases revenue, increases profitability, it's going to drive higher shareholder value. And, you know, the C-suite and on down is going to embrace uh, more the scientific way of running a business versus the 
our way of running the business. But again, it will always be a blend of the two. I think it will just move more into the you know a heavier mix of the science behind the running the business. Interesting. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing your point of view. So um, I think um, I don't have anything else. Uh, and, and and thank you so much for uh, sharing your candid thoughts. So any 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 other parting thought that you have for our community and and for for anyone watching this podcast? Well, I, I guess I'd wrap it up, Michelle, by saying you know this business is just so exciting. I mean, I had no idea when I got into this line of work over twenty years ago that it would evolve to what it has today. I mean, I was happy with where it was twenty years ago and the, and the far more limited things we were doing then because again, I saw the power of that and what it could do uh, for companies. But, you know, the sky's the limit in this business, you know, so particularly for those younger people out there that are, say, still in school or early in their careers, um, you know, those that have the inclination and the abilities, um, you know, the, the capabilities we've talked about throughout this discussion to do this kind of work, I would um, strongly encourage them to consider, you know, uh, you know, altering changing the course of their career to get into this kind of work because, again, the sky's going to be the limit and there, there's just a great and will continue to be a great future in this business. Interesting. Uh, with that, thank you so much, John. Uh, again, thank you so much for being very candid and sharing some of the interesting perspective uh, from, from your lens, from Epsilon's lens, from marketing analytics lens. Uh, and I think uh, this will be a very useful session. So uh, love to have you on board again. Uh, in some time to discuss your journey and uh, thank you so much right thank you for sure appreciate it yeah, enjoyed thank it you. Yep, take thank care you. Uh, I thought I was sick of home but actually I was homesick never really knew that I would have to grow so quick I'm so uncomfortable don't know anybody here just a couple dudes that I met once that's it and I go into the booth feeling nervous got butterflies in my stomach like I'm so worthless is the mic gone I don't know how to work this inside I'm breaking down I hope I'm not up on a certain